Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, everyone who is listening. This is Sebastian from AC Adventures, and you are listening to the All Things Student Startup Podcast, the show that goes over everything related to finance and startups for people who love entrepreneurship. Today, we're talking about AC Adventures and other venture capitals with Victor, who is a board member of AC Adventures. We'll discuss everything there is to know about venture capitals and entrepreneurship in Amsterdam. Victor, thank you so much for joining us today on your busy schedule. No, no, no. Uh, thanks. Thanks for having me. It's really nice to be here. Mm, of course. Um, let's talk about you first. What do you do at ASIF? Well, um, my name is Victor. Uh, I'm currently running Ace of Ventures. And uh, Ace of Ventures is a venture capital fund in Amsterdam. Uh, and what's special about it is that we invest in students and recent graduate founders. Um, and we're run by recent graduates ourselves. So we're the freshest recent grads out of university, best connected to the university. And that gives us our advantage to find the best startups to invest in. And yeah, that's uh, kind of how we work at ASIF. Okay. And what is your role in particular? Uh, what I take care of at, at ASIF is the marketing. Um, but each director, so we're five directors, we also take care of investments. So that's uh, scouting the, for new investments, making the investment itself, uh, and then doing portfolio management after that, uh, which is portfolio management is basically just helping that startup grow, making sure it's key, it's on the right track, connecting uh, the startup to, yeah, the different help it might need. Um, so yeah, that's half my time portfolio, well, half my time on the startups and half my time on the marketing. Okay. And uh, I'd like to talk more about the portfolio management. Uh, so when you're managing portfolios, helping other startups, what exactly does that look like in concrete terms? It can really depend. Um, there are, I'd say there are different types of stages in portfolio management. If you have a very early startup, they may need, they may need more assistance. Uh, so for example, uh, building a sales plan, uh, sales strategy, um, perhaps um, um, getting some validation. So connecting them with uh, key partners. So for example, if you're uh, going to create software for uh, the logistics industry, uh, you might need some help to yeah, get connected to, to players in that space. Uh, a little bit later stage, you might encounter, as a startup, you might encounter your first hire. Uh, that's always a big challenge. Like, how do you hire your first employee? Or perhaps uh, even you want to find a co-founder. How do you do that, you know? So we assist them with that, connect them with relevant players in our network to help them um, help the startups with all the questions they may have. And then at a later stage, it may be uh, less active portfolio management from Ace of Ventures side, uh, just because they're more advanced, uh, they've potentially raised another round of financing. And then usually it's the latest uh, venture capitalist or the latest investors who will help them the most. Okay, that makes sense. So yeah, lots of your time is mostly spent on pre-seed uh, stage startups. Am I correct in saying that? Yeah, that's a good point. Uh, ASIF uh, invests in in the pre-seed stage. Yeah. Uh, so that's a very around the around let's say the uh, the minimum viable product when they start to get some uh, traction uh, have a lot of validation that's where we jump in to make sure that the startup can go full-time onto the the company itself and then what we do at ASIF is connect them well help them with with all the steps in between our financing and follow-up financing uh, so we get them VC investor ready, so to say. That's what we call it. Mm, yeah. Okay, interesting. Yeah, so you're really bridging the gap between um, those who are quite inexperienced uh, and those who have a little bit more experience and know what they're doing. Yeah, absolutely. 
Um, yeah, ASIF is our tagline is bridging the gap between student entrepreneurship and venture capital. It's so important, right? Because students are usually first-time founders. They usually don't know the industry that well. They don't know the intricacies. Um, we're also new to this, but we have a lot of support from our side, from a massive alumni network uh, that is just chock full with, with great individuals working at VCs, working at startups. Uh, and we bring our network uh, and also our financing uh, to student entrepreneurs who often don't have access to this or don't know where to start. Uh, that's what that's what our value is. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Uh, do you ever find challenges in advising or helping uh, startups with certain things? Such you were talking about a sales plan earlier, for example, with startups. Would you ever face a challenge where you might not know how to develop something like that for that specific startup? And what would you do in that situation? Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's not always clear, right? When you're faced with a, a company that that isn't yours, you don't know it as well as the founder does. Uh, so your advice is sometimes limited to to general advice, uh, right? So we don't, at, at ASIF, and I think uh, all venture capitalists that are honest with themselves, uh, or at least don't have extremely experienced entrepreneurs in their team, they they shouldn't be kind of the uh, the holy advice, you know? It's not like... It's it's not like they they know all, and it's not like we know all. So we uh, we are honest with ourselves, and instead we connect the startups with, um, yeah, the best, um, yeah, the best people in that relevant field, right? So if you're uh, developing a sales strategy, we will reach out to the individuals who can help that startup build that. Uh, it's not going to be us. Um, we're going to help, and we're going to learn at ASIF, but. We're, we're especially going to, yeah, connect them with people who can. That's really interesting because, yeah, so you're so active with startups and also with the VC itself in your role. So, yeah, I can imagine that you must wear a lot of hats because you're in charge of kind of managing the VC itself a bit, Ace Adventures, but you're also so involved with startups. Do you ever find, a, find that challenging, having to switch that mentality almost? Sometimes you're a bit of a manager, other times you're a bit of an advisor. How do you manage that? Yeah, well, uh, I, I think that all VCs kind of have very low attention spans. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, as a, especially compared to the founders. I think if you're starting a, if you're starting a business as a student um, or as a founder in general, it, you, you really should try to put yourself in the shoes of, uh, of the person you're talking to. So the investor, for example. Um, if you're talking to an investor and you're trying to raise funding. But in, in general, venture capitalists and investors, their whole day is packed with small snippets of information and small snippets of, of, um, of topics. Uh, they have to divide their attention across all of this, whereas the founder can some, well, most times, founders focus, like laser focus on a single uh, problem, which is the problem they're trying to solve with their startup. Um, VCs, they have to quickly understand a business model, quickly understand the industry. Uh, and there's a, there's a lot of switching uh, involved when you're working in venture capital. Um, I mean, Ace of Venture sees 500 startups per year. Imagine switching your attention over those 500 different topics throughout the year. Uh, and not just once. I mean, you're going back and forth between investments. So there's a lot of switching involved. I can imagine, especially between different fields as well, you have to look at the problem that each startup is solving differently every single time. So, I mean, uh, you, you could be seeing uh, in the morning as a venture capitalist, you could be seeing a startup that is dealing, I mean, this is uh, off the top of my mind. As a venture capitalist, you could be seeing in the morning a startup that's dealing with 
genomic data storage, so DNA, sto DNA data storage. And then the hour after, you could be dealing with a portfolio company. For us, for example, it could be Elementa, who is a developing a software for lab workers. And then you could immediately switch back to uh, someone who just popped into your office uh, pitching their idea for a VR museum. You know, it's, it, it's really, really diverse. And uh, it could, yeah, you have to make sure you manage that. Yeah. Um, and also as a startup, if you're pitching to a VC, just keep that in mind and make sure that your pitch is short and sweet and uh, yeah, that you manage to convey all the important information first and then unpack important details if there's time for that. Mm. Yeah, that does make a lot of sense uh, in that context, especially. And I can imagine it must be challenging to switch that mindset back and forth sometimes. But also, do you sometimes see that as uh, something that's appealing about working for a VC? The fact that you get to be connected to so many different uh, fields and so many different startups. I like to compare VC, uh, venture capital, to uh, an initiation to the world of innovation, right? You're dealing with all the cu most cutting edge innovations in, in venture capital. Now, throughout the, your whole year at ASIF or your years at another VC, you're just up to date with what's happening in this world in terms of innovation. So yeah, it is definitely appealing. If you want to learn about what's happening in this world, then uh, venture capital is definitely the way to go, in my opinion. Yeah, I can imagine. I'd like to switch gears a little bit back to ASIF. Uh, I'm curious because, yeah, of course, ASIF Ventures is mostly based in Amsterdam, metropolitan area. So that's where the main focus is. Of course, there are also other student VCs around the Netherlands as well. What do you think, in your opinion, makes ASIF different from all these other VCs that are scattered around the country? Uh, are you talking about other student VCs? Yeah, student VCs, sorry. I think that the other student VCs are, are just as qualified as us to do the work that we're doing. We have the advantage at ASIF that we're built over five years now. Uh, and that's, yeah, that's really important when you're trying to build a network. But eventually others will catch up. And we have to be realistic with ourselves that uh, others will. I think there's other VCs that do things better than us, even. Uh, other student VCs. Uh, how so? Uh, well, for example, I think Graduate Entrepreneur, they have a much faster uh, investment process. Um, they're not tied to universities um, well, as, as strongly as we are. The, the downside to, to them is they have a senior team that actually validates the investments. Mm -hmm. So it's not a real student uh, or a recent graduate run venture capital firm, which I think for if you're looking at a commercial firm, that's a better option. But if you're looking at a firm that is trying to do good and think differently, then Ace of Ventures, I think, has that advantage as it's entirely run by uh, recent graduates. It's just that in our investment process, universities have to do a due diligence check on the startup itself because of uh, the criminal background check, et cetera. Uh, and that takes a little bit of time and ultimately they validate the investment. Um, whereas other VCs don't have this process. Okay, that's interesting how the how that works differently. I can imagine that VCs that don't have aren't tied as much to university, for example, must also have a lot more autonomy. Am I correct in saying that? It depends who you're talking about when you're talking about autonomy. If you're talking as the firm, yes, they do have more autonomy. However, if you're talking about the student team in venture cap in the venture capital firm, looking at graduate entrepreneur, for example, they don't have autonomy, as in the seniors make the investment decisions. And they, on, they only actually run the pre-seed fund, uh, not the seed fund at Graduate Entrepreneur. We have autonomy in that we are making the entire investment decision from A to Z. It's just that at the end, we have a check 
So we are more autonomous in the sense that the management team can decide, recent graduate run management team can decide, but in graduate entrepreneur, it's not the case. It's interesting. Their, their, their advantage is that they can make investments faster because they don't have to have this check. I think that if you're a VC, speed should be a primary focus. Yeah, it's interesting to see how uh, VCs work differently, like what student VCs can work so different. I guess one isn't quite better than the other. It's just different ways of functioning, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah it really is different. Uh, and and it, it depends what your goal is. It really depends what your goal is. I mean, you have uh, impact venture capital firms, such as Rubio Impact Ventures. They They don't have the same incentives or they don't have the same... Yeah, they don't have the same list of targets to, to meet as a more commercial VC. Sorry, can you specify what an impact uh, VC is? Sure. Uh, impact venture capitalist, um, venture capital firm is usually, well, is a firm that takes impact as one of its metrics when it making investments. So if we're talking about uh, Rubio Impact Ventures, I, would, I haven't looked into detail as to how they measure their investments, but I would expect to be an element such as, okay, what good does this investment do for um, for the world, you know, for the environment? Or maybe there's a societal element to it. Does it lift people out of poverty? I mean, you can look at different ways to measure impact. I think a, a good one was referred to me by Carol Tarr. She's, a, she's an investor herself. Uh, she pointed me towards the ABC of impact investing. And it's kind of uh, basically looking at, yeah, the different criteria, how you can measure um, the impact of a potential investment, mm -hmm. right? So does it do no harm to the environment itself? Does it help the environment itself or does it like extremely help the environment? And so a uh, more commercial VC, they don't have these metrics necessarily in their, yeah, in their list of um, yeah, criteria, so to say, when they're making investments. Mm -hmm. It also depends on the people who invest in the VC fund because there are limited partners who invest money and then kind of dedicate that money to the VC fund, the management team. And they also have the, well, they choose to invest in impact funds or commercial funds based on their own interests as well. It can be so varied then uh, when it comes to VC investing, uh, different objectives and uh, different ways of accomplishing that. Yeah, of course, as has been specified earlier, ASIF plays a role in invigorating more entrepreneurship in Amsterdam as well especially more student entrepreneurship, correct? Yeah, that's absolutely true. Yeah. Would you say that's also, in some ways, ASIF Ventures is a bit of an impact VC, but not necessarily in an environment sense, but more just in a yeah, social sense? Yeah, absolutely. Like We're mission-driven as well. That's one of our criteria when we're making investments is, are we actually helping a student get from zero to, to one, making that first step, right? If we're looking at a student who's, uh, uh, let's say a self-made millionaire before applying for funding at ASIF and then he, he or she is um, asking for funding from ASIF, we have a small ticket size, we, it, there would be some discussion around does this person really need it. So yeah, yeah you could say in, a, in some sense we're mission-driven, but we're also looking for nice investments to make, ones that can uh, help ASIF grow, um, bring a name to ASIF uh, and also bring a name for, for the people who work there. Uh, as well as the startups who are in the portfolio. So, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's fantastic to hear. Uh, switching gears a little bit. Sure. I'd like to talk more about uh, the city of Amsterdam and how popular entrepreneurship is here. It is one of the entrepreneurial centers in Europe, even. Working for a student VC in Amsterdam must be so exciting because of that. 
I want to know, in your opinion, and based on your experiences working for a VC, what do you think it is about Amsterdam that makes entrepreneurship popular here? Yeah, it's a it's an interesting um, uh, environment to be in. Definitely bubbling with uh, with entrepreneurship uh, left and right. I think that the reason why Amsterdam is so attractive, I mean, there are the 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 rational reasons such as okay, it's a it's an English speaking country. Lots of people can come here and and be integrated quite easily. But I think there are more cultural elements to to just Dutch culture being very entrepreneurial and being very pragmatic and results driven. Um, you can look back in history that the, the biggest businesses of the world um, were run by Dutch people. I think there's some elements of that that are still within the culture. I think uh, that's what makes Amsterdam great. Uh, also, the quality of life is just fantastic here. So it's a very easy place to to decide to move to. Mm -hmm. um, so that's what attracts a lot of people here. And I think the ecosystem is also very stimulated by by government, by policy. Uh, so with uh, the organizations such as uh, TechLeap, which is yeah, represented by the Prince Constantine, and also Startup Amsterdam, uh, and, and also the universities are starting to pick up uh, and really contribute to this ecosystem in, on the student side. Yeah. However, I do feel that Rotterdam also is a very strong ecosystem. Uh, especially on that side, it's especially due to, well, there's cultural elements such as Rotterdam needed to be rebuilt. A lot of, uh, yeah, there's a lot of energy in Rotterdam when it comes to business. Um, but also the university uh, is a huge stimulator in student entrepreneurship. And that's yeah, mainly also why you have a graduate entrepreneur that popped up there. Yeah. So yeah, there's uh, multiple hubs in uh, the Netherlands. And I think there's also smaller ones if you're more specialized in a certain area. I mean, where, where business is done, where entrepreneurship is, is created. You can look at Eindhoven uh, on the technical, on the more technolo technological side with uh, Philips and ASML who are over there, uh, or Wageningen where there are um, yeah, more agriculture-related startups. Everywhere around the Netherlands is, I think, a, it's just a very entrepreneurial country. Oh, okay. I was actually very interested in what you just said before about uh, how universities have been very active in helping student startups. You said so, it's particularly in Rotterdam, of course, here in Amsterdam as well. Yeah. Uh, in what ways do you see that universities actually do in help invigorate more student entrepreneurship in their respective cities? Yeah, well, for example, if you look at ASIF, mm -hmm. we're funded in part by the University of Amsterdam and uh, the Vrije Universiteit, which is the other university in Amsterdam. And I mean, that, that's a great example of how you can invigorate student entrepreneurship and contribute to the ecosystem just by giving funds to students who want to start businesses. I mean, now you have so many different initiatives at uh, both of those universities um, that also help. So there's Ace Ventures, there's Demonstrator Lab at VU, which is kind of this, um, this club incubator for, for startups there, more technical startups. Uh, you also have Ace Incubator for research-based startups if they want to want to find path to commercialization, uh, and, and a whole slew of other yeah of other initiatives that I could list. One of the more common ways that universities do help start entrepreneurship or contribute to the entrepreneurial ecosystem is through these entities, right? They develop and they fund these types of incubators that yeah. just directly help people to yeah start their startups, right? Well, there are these initiatives that can help spur entrepreneurship, but ultimately what contributes the most to an ecosystem is actually having exits from successful founders. Uh, you often see founders, entrepreneurs, or just uh, successful uh, business people 
who give back to the community that helped raise them. So if, for example, University of Amsterdam and the Vrije Universiteit uh, have a program which is there to, well, let's say an incubator, and a startup goes through that incubator, becomes successful, and there's an exit there, there's cash at hand, then that cash, there's often some kind of giving back to the community. So you could see that incubator expands, for example, uh, or be more aggressive in terms of marketing or uh, promotion of entrepreneurship. Maybe even more funds to fund student startups or fund startups in general. I mean, Graduate Entrepreneur is a, is a great example in that they have mobilized their alumni network to fundraise for the venture capital firm. And now you have millions of euros ready to invest into student entrepreneurs. Yeah. If just the pre-seed fund is, seven, I think, close to 7 million euros. That's a really good point that you bring up about the idea of giving back. Something that you see very common in a lot of founders, at least in Amsterdam. And it shows how important it is for the ecosystem to grow. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Okay. We already established that here in the Netherlands in general, entrepreneurship is very strong. There's so many startups all the time. So many founders just trying to create these startups. What do you think is the biggest challenge in invigorating more entrepreneurship in Amsterdam? Entrepreneurship in general or student entrepreneurship? Uh, student entrepreneurship, yeah. Mm. I think that Amsterdam could do well in being more supportive toward, towards its student entrepreneurs uh, and being, well, accepting those those career choices as valid, you know? I think in Rotterdam, there's definitely this sense that, okay, entrepreneurship is a valid path. If you want to go that path, we will help you. Here, it's kind of just seen as someone with a fantasy dream, you know? There's not that, there's not yet that support somewhere like Rotterdam has. I think it's just a change of, uh, of mindset, uh, but also a change of, of policy within the universities themselves. I think it, the choice, well, if you're talking about student entrepreneurship in Amsterdam, then you should really focus on the universities because that's where it starts. Uh, I think uh, Vrij Universiteit is doing a great effort uh, in this. There are small initiatives that are done, well, that are carried out, such as the building of a startup hub uh, on the VU campus or the building of Startup Village um, behind the UVA Science Park. But I think it should be a it should be brought together in a more yeah focused way. I mean, the, if you're looking at the size of these projects, it's nothing compared to what the universities are doing elsewhere. Okay. Whereas I think it should be a significant part of of the university plan if they really plan on changing this. Mm-hmm. I think that UVA and VU they're more focused on yeah they're more. If you think about UVA, you think about lawyers, um, and you think about the the scientific studies. If you think about um, view, you also often think about politics and uh, yeah, the, these different studies that are not necessarily like super focused on business and entrepreneurship. Um, so I think just creating a good business ecosystem, a good business culture in the universities is super important. Yeah, definitely. I can imagine that would be in more ways than just creating a, a bigger startup village or just investing more money into yeah student VCs and initiatives, but it's also a cultural thing, right? It's a mindset. Maybe it could be in the form of guest lectures, courses that are more dedicated to uh, entrepreneurship and that kind of thing. Yeah, I mean, so. entrepreneurship should be uh, entrepreneurship is a path that anyone can take. Yeah. If you're a lawyer, if you're a politician, or if you want to be a politician, or if you want to be a scientist, or if you want to be a 
um, mathematician. Uh, I mean, whatever study you're you're doing, you should be able to have an option to create a business. Mm-hmm. And and we need to make sure that everyone knows about this that that it is an option. Um, I think some some people might be deterred from it, but that's okay. It just needs to be known that there is this this option of uh, of creating a startup and perhaps facilitating connections, um, making sure that funds are readily available, right? Uh, giving away more more freely to really incite that, um, inciting the start of it. That makes sense. And that's actually part of what you, we do as well at ASIF, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, we want to make people know about the support that's already out there and that it is a valid option. It is a valid career path. Yeah. yeah. I mean, just for, for example, um, if, you're, if you're a university listening to this uh, or if you're a student listening, uh, listening to this podcast and, and you're in touch with somebody who has the decision power to, to do something about it, I mean, just fund an event, you know, fund, fund an event around student entrepreneurship. Uh, this is a great way to engage people uh, around this topic. Get a few startups, have them pitch their idea in front of an audience. Make sure the universities properly fund this event to make it fun, to make it exciting, to make it engaging in a prominent location with enough marketing to get enough people attracted to it. Maybe even money to get, uh, maybe even funds to get a guest lecture in. Um, one of the, yeah, you, there's so many great founders in Amsterdam yeah, you, you need some kind of way to incentivize them to come and speak at a student entrepreneurship event. Get your university, get your decision makers to believe in this, to fund this kind of events. And, and yeah, you, that's a f- great first step in simulating entrepreneurship. We've seen so many great startups come, uh, come to us after having seen one of our events and, or people who were inspired by one of our events to even create a startup. So uh, yeah, you should definitely, definitely focus on this. That's something that ASIF also does a lot, right? We have so many events and uh, just to attract these types of people, founders, but people who might be interested in finding their own company, maybe people who uh, got one, one step in entrepreneurial ecosystem, aren't quite sure if they want to do it yet. And yeah. an event like that could just be the extra nudge they need just to take the plunge. Yeah, 100%. Mm. Yeah. I'd like to circle back to you, Victor. You have been working at ASIF for how long has it been now? Uh, seven months? Something like that, eight months? Yeah, uh, since September of uh, 2021. Yeah. What is next for you? Do you think you'll be working for a VC in the future or do you think you'll be working for a startup afterwards? Yeah, uh, you're, you're catching me at a point in my life where I have really no clue. Ah, like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, really, like mm-hmm. it, it's it, with venture capital, you can go so many different ways. I'm super inspired by the founders I get to meet every day, mm. like ridiculously inspired. It's just, I, w- I want to change the world in my own way. I want to uh, shape it how I see it. I want to bring great products, great experiences, great services, whatever that may be. I want to bring that to the world and I want to change the world in that way. Being part of the VC world is a huge advantage because when you're fundraising, you already have a network, right? You already have a network of people who know you. If you're hardworking, they know how hardworking you are. It's different to get a message from a founder who was, in v- who was a VC in the past who said, okay, now I'm fundraising. I know how it works. I know what metrics you're looking for. Um, it's much different to get a message like that than to just get some random message uh, on LinkedIn saying, hey, here's my pitch deck. Have a look at it mm. from someone you don't know. Yeah. yeah, that's the advantage I want to take to my startup founder journey. I don't know yet at the moment, to, like we're talking about today, if I should go right into startups or if I should stick with VC uh, for a little bit, let's call it one, two, three, who knows, up to five years in venture capital. But in, in general, I, 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 I'm also 
planning at some point, hopefully in the very near future, to start my own business or join a business that's starting myself. Yeah, but yeah, absolutely. Because I can imagine uh, working in a VC is just such an amazing way to learn about startups before you uh, decide to do your own. Not that it's required, but like you said, you're inspired by so many founders. You learn so much from talking to all these founders. You're solving problems for all these different startups. So when yeah. it's time for you to make your own, many of these problems you might face, you have already faced before. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. When you're talking to a VC, most times... It's someone who has a career already, perhaps has started her own business, had a successful exit, and now is working as a general partner for a VC. Mm-hmm. It's rare to first be a VC mm-hmm. and then become a startup founder. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think there's huge advantages to that. Yeah, yeah I can imagine. And uh, when you do, because you definitely will be working for a startup or starting your own startup eventually, as you just mentioned, what are some of the more valuable lessons that you think you'll take with you based on what you know right now in 2022? Ah, really good, really good question. Well, there are multiple lessons to be that I've learned over my time at ASIPS. If I'm fundraising, and this is, we're talking about the interaction between a startup and a VC. If I fundraise in the future, uh, I will especially focus on the fundamentals of business. I will really hone in on those, on the fundamentals that make a VC want to invest or get, uh, make a VC excited about a startup. I think I've moved away from, okay, we're going to solve cancer with the startup that I'm working for. We're going to solve cancer. No, you don't need to be as, uh, as ridiculously, outrageously uh, confident that you will solve cancer. How about focus on something that you can solve, focus on a problem that you are that you have some progress in solving something that you're 10%, even 20% close to solving that brings some energy to the conversation you're having with a, with an investor. So instead of solving cancer, maybe you'll, you'll be solving broken bones. Um, that could be your target. You know, don't focus on the, you know, on the huge goals without having at least some progress or some validation on your smaller goals, on your more realistic goals. I think that uh, also coming to a venture capitalist with a fantastic team will also be a focus of mine. When you're showing up and you're, you're missing the key skills in your team or you have them with employees that are not incentivized enough, for example, they don't hold a stock and they don't hold a share of your company. I, I think these can be some red flags that, that VCs look for and that we look for at ASIF. And just also making really asking myself the key questions of do I want to actually raise venture capital funding? Mm-hmm. You know, you don't have to have venture capital funding to have a really, really successful business. You can, I mean, MailChimp is an example of a, of a company that did not raise any venture capital funding. Uh, and they, they are a massively successful company. Um, but there are also smaller scale comp- companies that you can be very, yeah, you, you can make some good money in there and you can have some good impact on the community that perhaps a smaller community or a more niche market yeah, you just have to ask yourself, do I actually want venture capital funding and that kind of hockey stick growth that that uh, is expected of you uh, once you receive that? Mm-hmm. So if I understand correctly, uh, one of your key takeaways is going to be definitely focused on the fundamentals. You want to really hone in on that one specific problem that your startup will solve. And then, of course, that will also help you with uh, communicating with VCs, right? Because yeah. then they see uh, how competent you are in this general area and it just makes you like more of an attractive investment. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I feel so. And just, just making sure you're cutting off all the bullshit mm. from your, from your pitch. If you're, if you have to add bullshit, I mean, there, there's, there's, a, there's BS, and then there's kind of, yeah, there's different levels I would say of, uh, of, uh, of BS. But if you're realizing that you're, you're bullshitting your, your pitch, or that you're avoiding, yeah, you're avoiding certain questions. If you're, if you realize this, then it means you probably have some work to do. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that. I will make sure that there are no, yeah. There's no bullshit in my pitch. There's no bullshit in, yeah. The the company I'm I'm building, just kind of cut off all the waste, cut off all the excess. Focus on building what's important in that startup and showing that honestly to a, an investor if I raise funds. Okay, so just quickly to reiterate, sure, um, what you said. Focusing on the problem, honing in actually on the problem that you can actually solve, having a fantastic team. I can imagine that in some ways the team is even more important than the idea. And cutting out the BS, cutting out the fat, and streamlining the pitch as much as you can. These are the things that you would take away, uh, you say, when you're going into startups? Yeah, there's so much more to take away. Mm-hmm. I, I think yeah, there some other investors will also have some more concrete uh, yeah, tips for, for startups that are starting off. But if I had to, to leave Ace Adventures and, uh, and start my own business, mm-hmm. I would really focus on... Uh, on this when I'm approaching investors. Okay. Uh, but then there's all the other, <laughs> there's so many different uh, uh, lessons to be learned in how to run a business. Mm-hmm. I think I was mainly focusing there on the fundraising. Yeah, of course. I mean, that's what we're about here as well. We really yeah. want to focus on the fundraising. Uh, and of course, I'm sure you have so many more tips regarding, yeah, how to run your business, uh, how to uh, find a good market product fit, how to find a good team, Unfortunately, we can't have a five-hour podcast. <laughs> but uh, no, the, the things that you mentioned already, I can imagine, are very, very, very valuable. I hope the, that you are able to apply them in the future. And also for our listeners as well, I hope that they uh, got something out of that. Yeah, absolutely. And um, if there's ever need for funding uh, from one of our listeners, you can reach out to Ace Adventures anytime. Info at aceof.ventures. Uh, and we'll get back to you with a, with a reply in a two, three days. So, yeah. Oh. Victor, thank you so much for coming on the podcast today. I hope our listeners learned a lot as well. I'm sure they enjoyed it. Thanks so much. And uh, yeah, we will be back with another episode shortly. Thank you all so much for listening and have a great day.